So we're going to get started this morning with a little psychopolitical, social-emotional experiment. Okay. Is that enough big words to just basically say that I want to see how you react to some things that I'm going to do? All right. So I'm going to throw some pictures up on the screen, and I'm just curious what your reaction will be. So here's the first one. How do you feel about this guy? Current president Joe Biden. Okay. So think emotions. What are you feeling in your heart? Or how about this guy? Former president Donald Trump. And we're going to escape politics a little bit. Elon Musk, billionaire who just uh, bought Twitter out, right? Uh, how do you feel about him or another guy kind of in that sphere of life? Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook had honcho, right? Meta. Or we can go a little bit different direction. Justin Bieber, throw him in there. So again, how are, you, how are you reacting emotionally to these people? Taylor Swift, okay. Or what about this guy, Deshaun Watson, former quarterback for the Texans, and he just finished an 11-game suspension because of allegations of sexual assault. Plays for a different team now, Cleveland Browns. How do you feel about him? One more. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> How do you feel about me? We'll, we'll get back to that later. Now, as all those pictures came up and the, the different emotions, the different thoughts, the different reactions that came into your mind was disappointment among them. All the people that I showed you for one reason or another, whether it's because of their position, whether it's because of their power, whether it's because of their wealth or their voice or their celebrity status, all of them are leaders to a certain extent, influencers. People listen to them. People follow them. Some people even put their hope in them. And maybe you have too. And maybe they disappointed you. Or maybe it was a different leader in a different part of your life. A boss, a teacher, a coach who's disappointed you. Have you ever found yourself when, when you see one of those leaders, one of those people that you look up to and, and you follow, you listen to, and they become the focus of another breaking news story and you just wish that they would be better. You just wish that they, they would live a, a better life. They would make better choices. They, they would think about others and, and be more concerned about service rather than themselves. You sometimes just wish that, that, that they would be just and they would do what is, what is right at least what you think is right. And do they disappoint you? Disappointment with 
leaders is a universal thing. We all experience it. Leaders will disappoint. And the leaders of God's ancient people had sorely disappointed. Today we explore a very dark, very disturbing time in the history of God's people. And Jeremiah's voice is the voice that's before us. And Jeremiah was called by God to undertake an extremely difficult task. We hear about that in his call by God, Jeremiah chapter 1. See today, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. Good luck, Jer. Right? Jeremiah's message was not going to be a popular one even if it was the truth. Jeremiah, he had to speak harsh words of warning against the people in general, but especially against the leaders, the priests, the kings, those who were leaders both politically and spiritually, because they had disappointed the people. And they had disappointed God. And for their failure to lead justly and rightly, God had declared that he was going to allow the rising superpower of the Babylonian Empire to come in with its army and destroy even his chosen city. The Babylonians would cart people off into captivity. Even the kings of Judah... And so Jeremiah was called to speak this dire message of warning. But it was always with a very important and gracious cause. To build and to plant. He came with this dire message of warning to to get those leaders and the people to change, to turn around. to do differently than their weak and ineffective leadership and lead the people well, lead them back to faith and trust in God. And so at the start of chapter 23, we hear some of those strong words of warning. This is what Jeremiah said to those leaders. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. That's terrifying. At least for me. Do you know what title I put on my business card right before my name? It's the same one that you'll find in my email signature if I ever send you an email. Pastor. Do you know what the word pastor means? Pastor is a Latin word and it means shepherd. And that's why 
I get that title because the Bible uses the word shepherd. It uses that picture to talk about the people who lead and guide and, and tend to God's people, God's flock. Shepherds. And shepherds are leaders too. Maybe in a little bit different way than, than the people that I showed you before, but you know, as much as, as we want to try to separate our spiritual life from all the other parts of our lives, right? We, we want to say, you know, here's my spiritual life, and here's my political life, here's my physical life, and, and over here, this, there's my familial life, my family. We, it doesn't work that way. You can't separate it all out. It's, it's just life. It all is. It, it's all spiritual. And, and so doesn't spiritual leadership then transcend all other kinds of leadership? I mean, if we truly believe that there is a God, a powerful, mighty God, ruler and creator of all things, who exists in eternity, and he has given us a life that is actually going to extend beyond this one, beyond death, and how it extends and where it extends is going to be determined on the content of your heart, then isn't spiritual leadership the most important leadership there is? Which is why this terrifies me. Because I know that as that leader, there are times that I have probably scattered the flock instead of gathering them. And there are probably times that I have driven people away rather than drawn them in. There are times when I've failed to bestow care because I was too concerned about myself. Which means that I have disappointed people. And someday, I may disappoint you. If I haven't already, then it's very likely that someday I will do something that will disappoint you. Now maybe, maybe it'll be the style and approach that I bring, the philosophy of ministry that I bring to worship. Maybe it'll be when I don't call you two months after you've experienced an excruciating loss in your life. And the searing pain that you feel on that day, several months later, is, is the very same as the day it happened. And I don't call you. Or I choose somebody else. And I ask somebody else to serve in a position of leadership or to serve in a role in our church. And, and you knew that you were just perfect for that role. Why wouldn't pastor pick me? Or maybe it'll be that day that it seems like I don't have enough time for you when we meet 
right outside those doors right before worship. I don't have the time or the attention to give to you and, and you just desperately needed somebody to listen to your heartache that day. Now, I'll, I'll probably disappoint you. And for the times when I disappoint you because of my own pride or my own selfishness, I am so sorry. And I invite your forgiveness. And I also want to invite you today to thank God. To thank God that your eternal security does not depend on me. That your eternal security depends on God. You know, the, the hope that you have for everlasting joy, the confidence that you can stand before God unafraid, that doesn't depend on me. Thank God that it doesn't depend on how well I have served you as a pastor. Thank God that that confidence that you can stand before God unafraid, knowing that, that he has declared you just and right, that that does not depend on my morality or any other church leaders. It does not depend on my skills or my abilities, my weaknesses or my flaws. It doesn't depend on, on my philosophy to ministry. It doesn't depend on my approach, my strengths. Thank God that your hope for goodness and everlasting joy it does not depend on Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or any of the other people that I put before you or the, any of the other people that you had in your mind as leaders in your life. It doesn't depend on them. Thank God that it depends on Him and on His promises. That His promises that will never disappoint. And so Jeremiah had a, a hard message to deliver, but he also had the opportunity to share those wonderful promises from God. This is what else Jeremiah got to say. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness, our righteous Savior. And this is the one on whom your eternal security depends. God promised to raise up a king, a leader, who would actually do what is just and right. And I invite you to see Jesus here. When he said this king will reign wisely and he will do justice, he is a king who provides real peace and real safety he is the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now, literally, the Hebrew there, it says, the Lord, our righteousness. So your eternal security, the, the hope that you have 
for a blessed future with your God, the confidence that you can stand and live in right now and that you can be before God unafraid, it comes from Jesus. Your righteousness, it all rests on Jesus. The very last king to serve the people of Judah and Israel while Jeremiah lived, his name was Zedekiah. I'm actually going to put a little Hebrew up here on the screen for you. That's Zedekiah in Hebrew. That name means the Lord is righteous. Zedekiah is certainly disappointed when it came to his name. He never lived up to that name, and neither did any of the priests who served at that time. For their failure to lead the people well, the people were abused and abandoned, but God promised to send a better Zedekiah. God promised to send the Lord, our righteous Savior, the Lord, our righteousness. And that's what that looks like. Jesus was that coming righteous Savior, and he lived up to that name fully and completely. He isn't just the better leader, he's the best leader. He is perfect. Always following God's will completely, perfect in every way. He followed God's standards of morality, the highest standards there are, with absolute perfection. He served in a completely selfless way all the way until he gave his own life on the cross for yours. That precious payment that bought you out of the captivity into which you had been carried by your sins and your guilt. That captivity of sin and death that we were held in. And it's this Jesus who places his own name on you in your baptism. And he says that you are clothed in his righteousness. Jesus is the Lord, our righteousness. And because of him, God declares you righteous and just, perfect and holy in his sight, no strings attached. His incredible gift. Well, give thanks to God for Jesus, our righteousness, our righteous Savior. And the righteous branch. Now, why does God call him a branch? Uh, that word that we have translated that way could be translated also as a tender shoot, um, the root. It's, it's a small part of a tree. Uh, the historic line of Davidic kings who ruled on the throne in Jerusalem had seemed to be cut down, destroyed. Little hope remained, and yet God promised that there would be a righteous branch from that line. This little shoot that would come up. Have every, any of you ever seen when uh, one of the acorns from the oak tree, it just finds the right spot in your garden bed, your landscaping kind of goes unnoticed for a little while, and so all of a sudden you, you got a little oak tree, you know, sapling growing in your flower bed. But you know, no big deal. You can just go rip that thing right out of the ground, right? It's small and, and weak, insignificant. Looks like a, just, just a weed. 
And sometimes maybe we'd be tempted to look at Jesus that way. You know, small, weak, insignificant, not much there. Especially in our world, when we choose those that we follow, the leaders that we have, in many ways, for some pretty superficial reasons. Have you ever found yourself listening to someone, following someone, because they look the part? And they have the wealth and the resources to promote themselves? Or maybe it's because you want to live the kind of luxury that, that they display and, and they show. Maybe you want to become like them, and, and so you lead and, and you follow them. But maybe those superficial reasons are, are, are part of the reasons why we get so disappointed. But when it comes to Jesus, don't judge him based on superficial reasons. He came as a simple baby, born to poor parents. Humble circumstances surrounded his life. It doesn't seem like the backstory of a mighty ruler who's going to come with justice and righteousness. He never was wealthy. According to the definition of riches that this world gives, but he has the riches and the treasures of heaven and he gives them to you. And he wasn't a politician seeking a higher office and yet the office to which Jesus ascended after his glorious resurrection from the dead is the highest office in the universe. And he uses it for your good. He isn't a celebrity or an influencer whose desire for more followers comes because they want to build up their reputation or their power. No, his desire comes because he is truly a king of an impressive kingdom and his desire for more followers comes because he wants to invite more people to know the joys of that kingdom with him. He wants to offer them true safety, security, justice, and peace for all eternity. That's what Jesus, the righteous branch, offers you. And as he calls you into his kingdom, he also equips you to serve in that kingdom. To serve as you follow him. And he even calls some to be pastors. Uh, to be shepherds who serve under him, the good shepherd. And I thank God for that. That though I am weak, though I fail, I serve under the great good shepherd, Jesus, the righteous branch. And God promises some incredible things there. He says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified nor will any be missing, declares 
the Lord. Those are beautiful promises. Beautiful promises that allow us to live without fear or terror because our sins have been forgiven and our guilt is taken away. God promises that none will be missing. We can celebrate that. And we can celebrate all who lead us to our righteous Savior, Jesus. And I need that Savior too. Because sometimes I will disappoint you. But thank God that my job is not to be your Savior. It's just to point you to Him. To point you to Jesus, to see Jesus, that true and perfect Zedekiah, the Lord, our righteousness. And I want you to see Jesus for all that He is. Your righteous Savior who will never disappoint.